Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the upstate of South Carolina. I'm your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in Greenville, Greer, Spartanburg, wherever you can think of here in the upstate of South Carolina. I work in that market. And uh, as you can know from all my other episodes, you can find all my contact information in the show notes. Just reach out to me however is easiest for you if you want to discuss real estate, want to discuss a podcast, anything like that. I am available for you. And as well, if you like the show, if you love the show, please leave a rating, hit that five-star button. Apple has changed it recently. You might have to scroll down a little bit to find it. Uh, I'd appreciate if you could leave me a review for the show as well. That helps to to get out to more people. And uh, yeah, I'd just appreciate if you guys could do that. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the rental property market for landlords and the, and the perspective of people either entering or exiting the real estate rental market. And this is very interesting because it's very clear that there are now kind of two factions forming. And these aren't really factions that are forming that are like liberal or conservative or anything like that. These are factions within the landlord market that are, uh, they, they are political to an extent, but they're not political as in right or left. Uh, but they are coming to opposite conclusions at the same time. I think it's important to clarify for a second that at least here in Greenville, and part of this may be the demographic of Greenville, but a lot of the landlords in this area do tend to be more right-leaning. A lot of uh, more progressives actually uh, hate landlords for whatever reason, um, on the extreme side of things. I don't mean on, on the practical side of things. Um, obviously, there's uh, the neoliberal camp, which, of course, I'm, I'm not going to get into too much of this, but there are more capitalist-leaning uh, uh, progressives, of course. Plenty of them. That's the, that's the majority of them. Um, but on the extreme side of progressivism, landlords really have uh, a dirty name, and uh, and there's a belief that even in some circles that landlords shouldn't exist, which is a, kind of an absurd conclusion to come to, in my opinion. But that's an opinion that some people have. The majority of the landlords that I communicate with are more conservative leaning. They're more capitalist leaning, and that's for obvious reasons. Because when you're a landlord, you see in real time the impact that more uh, socialist type of uh, decisions that the government makes, how that directly impacts not just the landlord, but also the tenants. And ultimately, nothing impacts the landlord that doesn't also impact the tenants. There is a They are connected at the hip. Because as you see more expenses come on the landlord, that landlord has one of two options. Either that landlord has to raise rent on his tenants on, or on her tenants, or that landlord must sell the property to someone else, and for that person to be able to justify the purchase, they have to be able to get money back in one way or another. So oftentimes what happens is uh, when the property changes ownership, oftentimes the new owner wants to try to get rents raised in some way, and oftentimes that means the tenants get uh, to a point where they can't afford it anymore, they have to get evicted, or whatever the case may be, and then it gets 
you know, in a situation where it's a it's a lose lose, right? The tenant loses their housing situation that they had. They might have been in there for years. They no longer can be in there. Uh, the new owner has to have higher vacancy rates and has to figure out, you know, has to make a bunch of improvements in order to justify the price increases. And it's just a ripple effect that happens. So we have to we have to start by understanding that that everything uh, negative or positive that happens to a landlord gets passed in one way or another to the tenant. So all that to be said in the background here. The past one and a half years, all right, really, you know, going back to the start of COVID has been quite the roller coaster for landlords. I mean, that's an understatement. And I know this from firsthand experience. I am a, uh, a landlord. I don't manage my properties, but I own rental properties. Um, and it's, it's been quite the roller coaster. It's been obviously eviction moratoriums. And now there's a big debate uh, because the CDC just renewed their eviction moratorium. The Supreme Court uh, made passed a ruling uh, on the slimmest of margins, five to four, that uh, the CDC was allowed to have an eviction moratorium last year. But but uh, Justice Kavanaugh, who ruled in favor of that, said that if the CDC attempted to do that again and it was brought to the Supreme Court, that uh, he would not be in favor of that and that he would want it to be passed legislatively through Congress. Uh, well, guess what? The CDC just extended it again. Um, there are states now suing, um, and it, it seems likely that uh, that the CDC will be overruled on this. Um, but the trend, it's a very interesting trend about how uh, now it used to be very local. It was always very local, the rules for landlords, the rules for tenants. But there is increasingly a threat of the federal government trying to take it over. And of course, this is way out of the CDC. The CDC, in my opinion, should not be telling landlords anything. That is completely, it's a center for disease control. What are they f- focused on with uh, with who's renting and, and what the rules are for renters? They have no business. That, they don't have any idea what's going on uh, in that marketplace. And they have no business ruling on that. That should be something that's done legislatively. And so I think that that's, that's absolutely out of control. Um, of course, that impacted a lot of, a lot of landlords. Um, it did not personally impact me. I'm grateful for that. Um, but I do know uh, that there are a lot of landlords here locally as well in Greenville that uh, were impacted negatively by the eviction moratoriums. Um, Additionally, the past one and a half years, uh, as most, if not all of you know, construction costs have skyrocketed, and it's just been uh, kind of a a crazy time as both uh, supply of construction materials went down, but demand went up, and so we saw some things tripling, quadrupling in prices, um, and still, a lot of that has not leveled out, Um, and it's just a strange situation where, you know, lumber mills were shut down and different things like that were deemed uh, basically non-essential during COVID, but then guess what? Everyone's, you know, in quarantine, uh, you know, sitting at home uh, thinking, okay, I'm spending way more time at home than I ever have. I want to improve this place, and so they're going out and buying even more construction supplies than they ever have to do more improvements in their home. And, and so we had this crazy situation where 
there's less things to buy to improve your home than ever before, but more buyers looking to buy those things. And so that caused a lot of chaos in terms of uh, people renting, trying to improve the, the rental properties that they have. Um, not to mention as well, with all that demand, uh, you know, a lot of people are not doing these projects themselves. And so what happens, uh, you know, when they need to hire someone to do a project, there's shortages of labor as well. And so it's hard to get contractors, it's hard to get subs out to your property uh, because those uh, shortages exist as well. And so then the, the cost of labor also goes up. And, uh, and then you've got, you know, tenants getting stimulus checks and uh, these, some of these tenants aren't paying their rent because they, they have uh, an out with the, with the eviction moratorium. Um, and, but they're getting stimulus checks. And instead of taking those checks and, and, and paying their rent, they are instead uh, buying smartwatches and things like that. And I'm not saying that everyone is doing that. But I've heard plenty of stories of this, types, this type of thing happening. Uh, where tenants uh, have stopped paying rent and they're, they've got more money really than they ever have because of all the government stimulus, but they're choosing to spend it on frivolous things rather than trying to get caught up on their rent. And, and it's going to be difficult when, uh, for a lot of tenants when they are finally allowed to be evicted. How are they going to get caught up on their rents? These ones that have gotten uh, really far behind uh, it, it's going to make it very challenging. Um, so all that to be said is, uh, well, uh, let me back up for a second. In addition to all of that, so those are all on the federal level, things things on the federal, things on the, on the country-wide level. But in addition to that, we've got uh, the state of South Carolina and Greenville County specifically, which we've talked about in the past, has a really inequitable property tax standard whereby landlords end up footing the bill for the public schools in our area. And that's kind of a, a strange system because landlords don't benefit from the public schools. You know, you typically, people typically pay taxes for things that they benefit for. Well, landlords aren't going to public school. Landlords aren't sending, uh, you know, their kids to the public schools at, uh, of their rental properties. Um, they, the people, I, I believe, and uh, a lot of people believe, that you should pay for the public school that you're zoned for, and that's it. And and only if you have a, an opportunity to send children to that public school, if you've got rental properties scattered all throughout the place, and you're paying for uh, you're paying property taxes for those rental properties, it shouldn't be footing the bill for the, the public schools. And and so that's something that even our governor here in South Carolina has said that he wants to look at. Uh, the difficulty there, as we've talked about in the past on this podcast, is, well, if you if you take away all that money somehow, you've got to find a different way to, to pay uh, for these public schools. And so um, I don't anticipate that that's going to change anytime soon. But unfortunately, that's put the squeeze on landlords, which again, as I alluded to before, puts the squeeze on tenants. Rental properties end up costing about three times as much in terms of property tax as owner-occupied properties. And that is because of this inequitable property tax standard. And on top of it all, I mentioned, so that's a state thing. Um, but Greenville County specifically has gotten extremely greedy in terms of their reassessments of property values. And, and they see uh, 
something happening here that they want to get in on. And, th- and this is the way all governments are. Even in Greenville, which is considered a more small government area, listen, when any government sees an opportunity to get more tax revenue, they are going to jump on that. They are absolutely giddy at the prospect of gentrification. That's a that's kind of a bad word in a lot of circles, but guess what? At the county office, they love it. They love to see these uh, housing affordability go down because as housing affordability goes down, that means that they can raise property taxes on people. And so there is a moral hazard. We always talk about housing affordability with our with our local politicians, but getting them to actually be concerned about affordable housing is a is a tough sell because they get more money coming into those county coffers when housing becomes less affordable because then they can reassess at a higher price and justify it. And now you've got a situation where the county is bringing in more money because the pri- the cost of housing is going up, but it's putting the squeeze on so many people and it's a, and it's a, a terrible thing in a lot of ways. And, and it just, it gets worse because as those prices go up, Fewer people can buy. But then as the, the property taxes then get, get raised along with the prices of the houses going up, the property taxes get raised. And so then those landlords end up having to increase rent in order to be able to even stay afloat. People think landlords have tons of money. They don't. Talk talk to a few people that have rental properties. These Most of these people are mom and pop landlords that don't have a lot of money. And maybe they shouldn't be landlords. That's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. But the point is that the the state and the county is not taking. They're assuming that landlords are are all super wealthy, you know, uh, super wealthy investment groups based out of New York. And the majority of them are not. The majority of them are just normal people like me and you, just living here in South Carolina, that are just trying to have some uh, rental properties in our investment portfolio. And the county uh, just basically runs over all of us. And so there is all of this, I'm painting a pretty grim picture, right, for for owning rental properties, because this is a grim picture that has been painted for me. The past year, I've heard a lot of angst from people that own rental properties that are like, what is the future of this going to look like? I mean, should we exit altogether? And I've seen some people start to sell off their rental properties because they're just like, I don't want to be a part of this future, this future of you know, the feds telling me what I can do with my rental properties and the, and the feds uh, not holding tenants accountable and all of these other things. And the, and the county, of course, you know, having uh, no checks and balances in terms of, of what they can do on, on taxing uh, landlords and their properties. But this year, so that was, that was last year, I really started to hear a lot of that angst, but I have heard a really different uh, twist this past year and a, and a different faction emerge. This faction was not around last year, at least I did not deal with them. But during uh, the Biden administration, this faction has become very prevalent. And um, the second faction basically sees the concerns that we've mentioned thus far, but they see even bigger concerns in the opposite direction. They see concerns about hyperinflation coming down the road with the Biden administration, basically spending money that we don't have. That money has to be paid for in some way. Either you can raise taxes on everyone, which is very unpopular, or you can do a secret tax, which is just inflating the the, the dollar, just printing more dollars to spend for, 
for all of these different projects, well, that's a tax that we all end up paying as our dollar becomes less valuable. We all know that wages don't keep up with uh, with the devaluing of the dollar. So if, if the dollar goes down in value by 1% in a given month, you're you know, your salary doesn't go up by 1% in that month. You're, it takes a while for that to get readjusted, and it never keeps up. Um, additionally, funny things happening in the stock market. You know, we've heard um, about meme stocks and, and just a lot of speculative things happening. I, and again, let me get out in front and just say I'm no financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. Nothing that I'm saying on here constitutes financial advice. Talk to a financial advisor for that. Um but um, but this is just what I've heard from other people saying there's a lot of funny stuff happening in the stock market. I'm a little bit concerned uh, about what I have in there and, and, and my lack of diversification in terms of I've got too many eggs in that stock market and that Wall Street basket. Um, additionally, what's become really popular among people that tend to be into real estate is um, the uh, cryptocurrency market. And, and I am no expert on cryptocurrency by any stretch. But I think pretty much everyone expects that there is going to be some major crackdowns on cryptocurrency and on trading that looming. And, and actually, there's a big debate right now going on about it. Again, I'm not very knowledgeable about that. I just know that that is a major, major concern uh, among a lot of people that trade crypto is that uh, the government is going to come in and and really uh, kind of have a hostile takeover of that market. Um, additionally, meta concerns. Again, these are all just concerns I'm hearing from this other faction, this other faction that that is emerging. Uh, just meta concerns about the U.S. economy and the and the fact that it appears to be lagging behind other economies, particularly China. What does that mean? Is a recession coming? Are we in a bubble? Um, not not a real estate bubble specifically, but a a just a economic bubble as a whole. And what is that going to do, again, to their holdings in the stock market, in equities, in crypto, all these other things. And uh, and the, here's where the people that have all of those concerns, here's the conclusion that they're coming to. They're coming to the conclusion that real estate is much safer than all of these other things. If I have rental properties, I am in a much safer position than I am if I have all of these other holdings and all of these other things that are so much more volatile because you know people always need a place to live and traditionally real estate has been considered a very safe place to put your money because real estate does tend to appreciate at least on par with um with the rate of inflation and here in greenville it's tended to significantly outpace inflation typically um and so that's something that uh, that that's the conclusion that I'm now seeing a lot of people come to. So whereas last year I was hearing all these people saying, "Man, I, I think we need to to exit some of some of this real estate that we have, some of these real estate holdings we have." Now I'm hearing a lot of people saying, "Okay, I don't have nearly enough real estate. I need to to park some money in that at least temporarily, at least to kind of get through the next few years, see what happens, you know, after." theoretically after COVID is gone. I mean, who, who knows when we'll be able to say that. Um, but they're, they're concerned that this administration is just spending while spending all of the money of the common folks while also then putting regulations on things that hurt common people 
uh, just a- average everyday Joes uh, the most. And so uh, I was talking to someone just recently, just this past week about this, who is trying to move out of some of uh, some of his you know stocks and equities and things like that and trying to purchase more real estate. And I was joking with him, um, he should find a way to trade some of his holdings that he has in that market, trade it with someone who's uh, in a situation where they have feel like they have too much real estate and are trying to diversify in the opposite direction. Because we do have these two very different camps that have emerged. And if only there was a way that they could uh, just trade with each other. Of course, if the government ever found out about that, they would freak out. Obviously, that's that's not how this is uh, supposed to work. Um, but uh, that was just something that you know I had a, I had a good laugh with someone about that this week. So, what is a, a fair middle ground? Where where do we go? What do we do with all this information? With all these conflicting opinions, uh, all these different ideas about uh, what's happening, what's the future of the country, what's the future of the economy, um, and and I think we need to distill it all down to the core of what this debate is about. The core of this debate is over how safe an investment is. How safe is is an investment? Is your investment in the stock market safe? Is your investment in real estate safe? Is your investment in crypto safe? How safe is that investment? And as I said before, real estate has always been considered an exceptionally safe investment. Now, what happened with last year, people started to see some some chinks in the armor, so to speak, of that of the safety of that real estate investment. They started to see, okay, it's not as safe as it once was. Now we're starting to see that, okay, whereas in the past, if we had a tenant that wasn't paying, we could evict that tenant. And we could uh, turn that property that's non-performing into a performing property again. Well, some of that went away last year with the eviction moratoriums and some of the other things that were happening. Um, and you know now locally here in Greenville specifically, we're starting to see, and and I'm hearing this more and more that it's like, okay, you know, again, the property tax problem is is a real problem. You know, at what point is it going to to be that I get taxed so much to a point where I can no longer raise rents uh, on people that that they just can't afford this property, and I can't afford to keep it? Then what? Then then what do I do? Um, you're, you, there has to be a tipping point. There has to be a tipping point at which it's no longer financially feasible for someone to have a rental property with all this overhead and to be able to charge that amount to the tenant. Um, and so that is the concern over, okay, real estate is typically a very safe investment, but there are some things now that are a little bit more volatile that need to be considered. And so the question is now whether the safety that rental real estate affords, even after the beating that it's taken during the COVID, during COVID, um, whether uh, whether that safety perhaps is is has been whittled down to a point where it's no longer safe enough, or whether all these other meta things that are happening actually mean the safety of real estate is even more important than it's ever been. Um, and and this is a, a great question, and it's it's one that deserves uh, some really serious consideration. Um, and and I'm not going to sit here and tell you what my opinion is because my opinion is uh, for, first off, again, I have to be careful with with offering financial advice, 
But I have kind of mixed feelings on this. I can see both sides of it. And, and I personally believe that, you know, the way I handle my own finances and my own investments, that there should be diversification, that there should be a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit all over the place. And I have loved real estate investments as a whole. But uh, there are some major concerns that need to be considered and that need to be uh, that need to be addressed when it comes to this. You have to make sure that your numbers work. You have to make sure that your properties are performing, and you have to do your best in order to uh, in in order to ensure that a rental property isn't just doing well now, but will continue to do well in the future. Um, there are some strategies that that come into play there. I, I think that the cost per door strategy is a good one, making sure that um, you're not overspending on a per door basis. It can be a little bit challenging to uh, have a bunch of single family homes that are rental properties because single family homes cost a lot of money. If you can buy multifamily, uh, that is in a lot of ways the way the way to go because you can get multiple doors cheaper than you can if you're just buying a bunch of houses. Um, however, the single family market has some opportunity in, in short term rentals with Airbnb and, and things like that. But again, you have local government concerns where where you know the city of Greenville doesn't like Airbnb properties. They want those to be taxed as hotels, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot of considerations there. Um, and of course, obviously, we don't want to see uh, more federal government involvement in real estate. That's definitely something that we need to to monitor. Uh, because the state and local government involvement that we have is is bad enough, right? We we don't need all these layers of involvement in rental properties. But at the same time, what happens if these hyperinflation concerns prove to be true? What happens if uh, we we reach a point where just the, the currency has just been devalued so much and it's like, okay, basically what I own is just losing value constantly, but real estate does not. Real estate typically holds its value. So that uh, is, is a major factor, a major concern that is worth considering. What if uh, what if the currency gets devalued to the point that we plummet into a recession? Th- these are the concerns that I'm hearing from people, and perhaps they're alarmists. Perhaps, you know, we've heard a lot of these concerns for a long time. I used to work with someone that, that hoarded uh, gold and silver, uh, like actual bars of, of gold and silver. Um, and, and, and there are people out there like Peter Schiff that, uh, that certainly believes that as well. Um, and, you know, he has been sounding off these alarms of hyperinflation for years and years, and it hasn't happened uh, the way he anticipated that it would happen. And so, uh, but there's got to be a point at which it does happen, right? And so we have to uh, keep all of that in mind. And time will tell, obviously. Um, I think we have to be careful uh, and and make sure that we get into the right uh, the right properties, make sure that we uh, make the right decisions, take everything into account, take into account what the what the federal government is doing, take into account what the local government is doing. So taxes are going up, right? Property taxes are going up. What do we do about that? Well, um, South Carolina has uh, a, a program called ATI, Accessible Transfer of Interest. You can Google that. 
Um, it's a way if you're p- purchasing uh, investment real estate to try to avoid. Uh, it, it can help you to get your your reassessment uh, amount lowered. I, I think by as much as twenty five percent. I'm not an expert on that. Do your own research on that. Um, as well, another good strategy that a lot have employed: purchase a property that needs a lot of work, purchase it cheaply, do all the work yourself. Uh, the county is uh, less likely to reassess you at a at a higher uh, price point because they can't account for all the work that you've done. They're, they're not that organized. Perhaps at some point they will be, um, but they tend to go more off of the sales price than off of uh, the work that you've done. So uh, you're less likely to get reassessed at a higher rate if you're purchasing something cheaply and then renting it out. Um, so there's a, a, lot of different, uh, a lot of different things that can be done, a lot of different considerations um, but at the end of the day, you have to consider uh, the risk and the reward of real estate investing and and decide what camp you're in. And, and maybe there's wisdom in both camps. Maybe you're not the camp that's like, I'm going to exit all of my real estate. But maybe you're not the camp that's like, I need to buy up as much real estate as possible. Um, a lot of people find themselves in the middle ground. I think that's where I find myself for the most part. Um, it is still a fluid situation. We'll, we'll, we're still early on in the Biden administration, so we're still figuring out all that they are going to to do, all that they are planning to do, which may hurt real estate or it may make real estate even more of a safe haven than it was before. So that's it uh, for today's episode. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Looking forward to uh, to communicating with many of you. So reach out. My contact information is in the show notes. I'd love if you could leave me a rating or a review as always. Until next time, stay safe.